Wednesday, May 12th in the year 2021, and this is Get Smarter and Make Stuff. I am really pleased to welcome to the show today uh, a guest who I think will have a lot of interesting things to say on our two major questions, because um, I've run into him before and, uh, professionally, and we've always had a good time talking about making stuff and about learning and that kind of thing. Uh, so I'm referring, of course, to our guest today, Mike Fikes. Uh, it, uh, hey. It's great to have you here. Hey, Craig. How you doing? Yeah. Good. Good day. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no. So we we have had done podcasts before because we both kind of lived in the, yeah. the closure space, right? And so it's good to get get you back on here. And we're going to talk about other stuff, not closure. Although we can talk about closure too. That's fine. But, oh yeah, it'll uh, be uh, it'll be hard to resist that, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, no worries. No, that's cool. No, actually, I've I've know a little bit about what you've been working on, and it's it's really cool that that's involved. I don't mean to discourage you from talking about that, but uh, just yeah. you know, uh, it's great. It's good stuff. So anyway, sorry to step on you there, but uh, I think yeah. I told you. I think our Listeners will know that uh, we really only have two questions on this show with with a bonus one at the end, uh, you know, which goes something like, uh, let's let's talk about making and let's talk about learning. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think you've got a lot to say about that. So, you know what, what you've been doing, man, what's 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 on your learning and making plate lately? Yeah. So this whole thing is about electronics, which Mm. for me is heavily about learning because that um that is not my identity it's actually sort of becoming my identity but it was like a a steep um uphill mountain to climb in terms of learning all the stuff that you need to learn um mm-hmm. in the sense that you know it's 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 almost like there are things where um you feel like you might be uh excluded from doing certain things if you don't know enough about it um and and electronics has always been one of those things where the you know the danger of <laughs> high voltage keeps me away from getting anywhere near <laughs> that kind of stuff you know <laughs> sure but sure. E- but even just like normal like the electronics we're talking about is more like um low voltage stuff even that has always been opaque to me and um i don't know why but it's just been i think it's because you can't see electrons <laughs> and i've always been like like a me- i was a mechanical engineer i was always more like uh, very, I am a simple-minded guy. <laughs> you know, I, I, I basically understood things I could see and touch, and 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 even I think it's probably true for people who get into electronics that they will admit that a lot of the the stuff that goes on in circuitry and whatnot is very abstract, and you have to come up with, um, I don't know what the right word is, but like parallels or ways for you to think about these things and understand them uh, that matches up with your in- intuition that you might have built. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I I know what you mean. Uh, I mean, I've been doing a little bit more electronics myself. I technically, Mm -hmm. I mean, not technically, I do have a degree in electrical engineering, right? Yes, that's true. So you were course six. That, yes, for those I of was, you that are, yeah, who don't know, <laughs> right? In the, who aren't, aren't in the know, <laughs> yeah. And I was course sixteen, <laughs> right? So these are the so this is we both went yeah. to MIT and at MIT everything's a number. The buildings are numbered. The, the majors yeah, are numbered. Yeah. yeah. So course six was double E, uh, actually it's double E and computer science. Um, and okay, course sixteen yeah. is uh, it's aero, aero astro. astro. Yeah, aeronautic. Yeah. You're a, you're a um, you're a rocket scientist or a rocket engineer, I suppose, right? Oh, that was awesome because uh, Draper Labs is there next to MIT, and that's where they did the Apollo guidance and navigation stuff. Was right mm-hmm. there, so it's like it wasn't it wasn't like the rockets themselves. It was the um, the guidance computers and whatnot. Mm-hmm. 
yeah cool, right cool, cool stuff was there yeah <laughs> all of which of course would run on you know an arduino times a thousand right yeah yeah <laughs> so anyway i know what you mean yeah when you talk about electronics being a bit of a mm -hmm. foreign land um you know mm -hmm. i I have to laugh when I sit down at my at my bench and try to do electronics because, you know, mm -hmm. like I said, I have a, a degree in double. You know, my focus was, yeah. you know, signal processing, so it wasn't electronics. But I'm clueless. Oh. I'm really clueless. I'm picking up a soldering iron. I just, I've been working on this project, the electronic lead screw. I've got a few videos on my YouTube channel. Yeah, yeah. And I'm, my, my, my soldering is, is horrible. My electronics is horrible. I like... Tried to hook a function generator up to my stepper motor the other day, and I thought, oh, this will be great. It'll turn it. And it, it didn't turn, and I have no idea why. So I, okay. I understand completely what you're saying. Well, you could even, you could argue there's this whole theme about what you learn in school is mm. like, is like a bunch of Laplace transforms and stuff. <laughs> right, like, right. Or a bunch of math, basically. Yeah. And, and, it's, and it's good, but it's also, there's a whole nother side to things and just a pragmatic um, knowledge of how to, how to, use the things that exist in our world to cobble them together to make stuff. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it has, has nothing to do with math. It's just yeah. uh, experience and, and um, doing a little research and learning, like, what are these things? You know, how does a soldering iron work? <laughs> right. Um, yeah. I, when I was, uh, when I was uh, doing my degree, I did an internship program, which those of you that are familiar with MIT might know is um, uh, 6A. Anyway, it doesn't really matter. But mm -hmm. I was at um, uh Defense contractor at the time, Laurel and Front Imaging Systems, they've since been bought twice, whatever. Mm -hmm. But what was really interesting to me was that um, when I was there, I was working in the electrical engineering department and I would work with the engineers, but I, would all, I was also exposed to the technicians. And, you know, these were two pretty separate mm -hmm. career paths. Yeah. Um, and they, they were, what was interesting to me was they were both really, really good at what they did. The engineers were good engineers. Uh, but the technicians were really good technicians, and it was it was stark at, that you needed both of those things. And so, like the engineers would come up with the design, but the technicians would build it and service it and repair it and actually make it happen. And you know, you had these guys. There was all guys at the time mm -hmm. um, yeah. who'd been there for thirty years and who could, you know, fix anything or take one look at the design the engineer had brought down and said, "No, you need another capacitor right here," or "That'll okay. never work because of this reason." And I think. It, it gets a bit to what you're saying about how, you know, the theory is important, but that um, there's all sorts of practical knowledge that you need to acquire as well. Yeah, maybe it's a, a whole spectrum because even engineering is sort of like in the middle there somewhere where you have like just the pure math and pure science or, you know, uh, sure. you know, like, you know, an engineer is someone who uses all that and applies it to, to the real world. But yeah, there's, 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 a, it's a whole spectrum really. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what have you been working on? You mean, you said it's electronics, okay. but like what yeah. have you been working on? So, so what got me, what got me kind of hooked into this stuff. So I, I identify as a software developer. I've mm -hmm. always done it. Um, but I've never really understood or thought deeply about how, how computers actually work. And, uh, I always thought, you know, it's obvious they, they, there's some gears in the turn and, and the calculations <laughs> get done. But, um, but there's a cool set of, um, videos by this guy named Ben Eater. Uh, and he actually goes through and um teaches you kind of at the um at the logic gate level uh, almost down at the transistor level of how how you can build up a computer and and for me the that was um there, that was enough of a hook because it's it's kind of related to software computers and software but it was like what what really had the light bulb go off in my mind was when he got to the point where he explained how computers um how the microcode and and um and cpus actually uh 
works in order to make like the fetch cycles and the instruction decode cycles work. Mm-hmm. And, and he, he, it's like typically anything that you don't understand is kind of mysterious until it's explained to you. And then the magic goes away. <laughs> and you're like, <laughs> oh, that's how it works. And then you're like, ah, oh, now I understand computers now. <laughs> um, so, but that, but going down that path, um, a lot of that is just like straightforward, just electronic stuff. And at that time, like I said, I, to, for me, it was always opaque. And, and I knew, like, I, I, I think like a lot of uh, people who go through just regular education, you learn about like what, what resistors are and what voltage is and whatnot. And you, and you learn how to do like, um, like the parallel versus series resistance formulas and stuff like that. So, so I knew that kind of stuff. We all, I think a lot, a lot of people know some rudimentary stuff about electronics and how to, how to reason about them. Um, but, but for me with the Ben Eater stuff, it was like, okay, let's get some breadboards and actually let's plug in things into it. And that's where you learn little things like the fact that like an LED needs a resistor hooked up to it in series with it so that the LED doesn't basically burn out. You know, you need something <laughs> to limit the current flow. So that's how little my knowledge was that, but I was hooked, you know, it's basically, I wanted to like explore this. And for me, it was, it was largely just like a side hobby, just like learning, you know, what are these things, you know, what is a voltage regulator? Uh, you know, and, and it's fun because you can just kind of experiment and it gets you away from, from my world of like doing software, which is all mental exercises. You know, it's, it's kind of like, so I can hook stuff together with my hands. <laughs> it's so interesting that you say that you are the, I think third of at this point, four guests, fourth of fifth, something like that. The majority of our guests have all said this interesting thing that I do on the side to make and learn an important aspect of it is that it not be what I do for my job, that it be different. Yes. Um, it's, it's like, um, yeah, it's the typical thing. Like you sit in front of a computer all day. Last thing you want to do is go like, Oh, I want to simulate a circuit. No, I, I want to actually <laughs> build a circuit, um, on a breadboard and see it, you know, do whatever it's going to do. Um, yeah, it's a, a different, it's a mind shift. Yeah. So how did you, so when you were, you know, you're like, this is all interesting. I want to learn about this. Like what, what did you do? I've been reading a book called the art of electronics, which has been highly recommended. Uh, at least I forget where I came across it, but it was highly recommended uh, mm-hmm. somewhere in the internet. And uh, it's quite good. It's taking yes. me back to my okay. double E days. I'm, I'm curious what sources you found useful when you decided to learn about electronics. Yes. So that particular book I have as well, the art of electronics. And with it, there is a kind of like a lab series that goes Mm -hmm. along with it uh and the way i can't remember the author's names but the way they explain that book is that they were trying to teach um scientists how to cobble together electronic circuits just to do things that they needed to be able to do in their labs so there's a the lab there's another whole like book that accompanies that book and it takes you through um like from a practical perspective how to put together um you know, just it starts off. It, it starts off with the with the rudimentary stuff of how do transistors work. You know, what are, like I knew that transistors have three legs, right? That's about all I knew. <laughs> it's, this, <laughs> it's this thing that has three things sticking out, but it's like the emitter, base, and collector, and you start getting into all those things and actually starting. You know, you mess around with them uh, in these labs, and you you build little uh, amplifiers with them, emitter followers, and whatnot. It's you know, it's it's. I find sitting down and actually making those things. Uh, for me, I can read about something in a in a book, and I can understand it to a certain level. But then when I go and I make the thing, I realize there were a lot of aspects I didn't understand. Um, mm-hmm. So so that that book is great because it actually 
provides you with enough things to try. And, and it's almost like, here, make, make these things. And let's, let's think about what these consequences are of this aspect of this thing. Um, so that, that, that to me is a really good book. Um, so I'm curious though, to dig in that a little bit more, because yeah. like, you know, we talk about, we talk about learning and making, I love the intersection of those two things. So what, um, what, I just, I'm curious to ask about like the, the degree to which, you know, making alone would have been sufficient or, or reading. I mean, you, obviously you okay. said, you know, reading was, was fine, but making was really important. Would you have pursued an avenue where you just made things and kind of figured it out? Or is it always the case that you want to look for kind of the academic side and then the practical side, or how do you intend to go after that? Oh, so I, I think I'm, I'm kind of, maybe I'm kind of lazy and I just want to make something <laughs> and then, and then, uh, you, you've, we've all probably been there. You're making something and you're like, why is this thing not working? And it's like, ah, uh, just kind of write out an equation that describes the thing and then solve that equation. And that might, it's, it's the tip, uh, what's it? It's called analysis versus synthesis, I guess. Like you're, you're like trying, uh, various experiments, trying to get it right. And you're like, ah, if I just write this down, I can, I can get that. I can get to the answer more quickly. So for me, I've always just been the kind of person who just likes to make stuff and the academic part helps reason about it and you know basically come to the solution mm-hmm. uh, but one thing i would say i don't i've i've particularly seen this is true with electronics is that you you often learn the most when things don't work <laughs> um, and i've heard yep. other people say that too and i guess that's probably true with software as well but sure. you just don't see it as much because the the iteration cycle might might be so much more quick with software where you're always always things aren't working right yeah um, things are with right, software. I was say. Yeah. yeah yeah it's the normal it's like, state like the, the point where it's yeah. not working is 90 percent, 99 percent of the life cycle yeah so you're always struggling to just get it to work for the first yeah. time with software yeah whereas with 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 electronics um you know a lot of times the, the the constructs you're using perhaps are a little bit simpler you you have a few resistors and some wires are hooking together and an led or two uh and things I don't know. Sometimes they, they tend to work more frequently, but you don't learn anything when it does work other than, okay, yeah, the thing you thought was true happened to be true. And when things don't work, that's when you, you, your gears start turning and you're like, okay, why is this not working? What aspect did I miss in my understanding? Um, <laughs> right. Where's the noise or, coming from? Where's, yeah, where's the noise coming from? Or was there some subtle thing that you're just seeing that just happens to be glossed over in the books? You know, and you're like, oh, really? Okay. So, for me, that's, that's a big part of all this is just like making things and seeing that it doesn't work and then learning from that. And it's almost like you want it to break. You want it to not work so that you have an opportunity to, to learn um, what's causing the failure mode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. I mean, I mean, not, not, I mean, yes, mm-hmm. I agree with you completely. I, I will say I'm in the phase of my current project where I am ready for it to just work. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like I've, made, I've made a bunch of mistakes and I'm like, okay, I think I've learned a lot, but no, you're right. It, it, you're, what you're reminding me is that what I should do is say, okay, well, you're either going to get it to work or it's not going to work, but if it doesn't work, that's okay because you'll make it work. And in the course of doing that, you'll get smarter. Right. So it's, it's okay mm-hmm. either way. So, yeah. so um, we've yeah. talked, we've talked yeah. about, you know, the fact that you're into electronics and I kind of think I kind of sidetracked okay. you a couple of times. What are you, is there like a particular thing that you're making right now? Or are you just sort of trying to you know, bootstrap your way from transistors to computers or what's your, what's your pursuit? Okay. Yeah. So 
So it started off for me as kind of like just an interesting side hobby, um, just, you know, because it's fun kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And then it, it, it became something that actually started to become valuable at work, which surprised me. Um, mm-hmm. I never, you know, expected I, that I would actually start uh, doing things at work with this because I was working in a, in, at Vouch, which is a software company, right? And, mm-hmm. and the reason that happened was we were giving some demonstrations to an automaker of something that we, we had built. And um, I actually had put together something with a breadboard just to, we were, were basically making a digital lock um, or, or something that would un, you know, unlock cars. And mm-hmm. we, were, we were demoing, effectively demoing our software with a little breadboard thing on the side, making some LEDs light up uh, using like a, um, a Raspberry Pi. Um, and, and the feedback we got was like, yeah, that's cool, but it's kind of like, you know, something that someone in high school would make, you know, a breadboard thing. <laughs> what you really need to do, what you really need to do to like, and that's, you know, this is about where my knowledge of electronics was at the time. I said, what you really need to do is you need to actually make something that really unlocks a real car. You need to go plug it into a real car. Um, and, and I'm like, okay, that's, you know, that's a, that's the next level up mm-hmm. in terms of like, um, reaching for something cool to do. Uh, so at that point in time, what we did was we, we reached out to um, Bill Hurd, who was that he actually designed some of the Commodores back in the day. He, oh, wow. He, he actually, and it was kind of, it was surprising. We're like, ah, oh, what the hell? We'll ask him, <laughs> would he be willing to work with this? And he said, yeah. And, and the reason we did that was he had, ex- he had practical experience, of course, of making real um, electronics with PCBs and whatnot. Uh, and he helped us um, and he became my mentor, basically brought me to this next level of basically moving from breadboarding things to actually making things with PCBs and learning, you know, going from like doing like through hole kind of stuff, you know, where you, you're basically putting resistors through the holes and soldering them on to, to moving towards actually doing surface mount stuff where you're, you're actually using CAD software to, to actually design your PCBs, have them printed and all that kind of stuff. So for me, it was like, whoa, wow. It's like the floodgates turned on when we got Bill involved. Um, yeah. So I would imagine that the first time you, you know, made a PCB of your own design and had it, I haven't gotten to that point yet myself. Like I have a thing where I'll probably want to do that, but I would imagine the first time you did that, it must've been a bit of a rush. Yeah. So there's, um, you, I was at that point and I can still remember being at that point where I would look, there are these um, online uh, PCB printing houses that you can you can look up like JLPCB is one of them. Mm-hmm. There's another one named Osh Park. And you can go online, you can say like, oh, you know, it's fairly inexpensive to, to print a PCB, you know, like maybe about five bucks, whatever. Sometimes the shipping is more than the PCBs. <laughs> right. But, but it's like intimidating because it's it, all the jargon and all the choices you can make. Um, it, it just, it's overwhelming, all the things that you might need to do. And you might think, oh, how am I going to even design the, uh, the traces on the PCB? And in mm-hmm. my mind, I was thinking, oh, really, it's just a picture, right? You know, it's a graphical thing that you could, maybe you could just draw it on using a drawing program, right? <laughs> and I think <laughs> right. you, probably, you probably could if you really wanted to. But, <laughs> but there's, of course, there's a whole, there, there's, there are tools that you can use to um, properly lay out uh, PCBs. And, and, the, and those tools also let you work with um, things from like a schematic standpoint, where you're laying out the schematic. Um, a schematic is basically, you know, just a high-level logical representation of your circuit using, you know, symbols for the resistors gotcha. and, right. and yeah, capacitors and whatnot. 
Um, and, and these tools, in particular, if you if you lay out a schematic, the tools then kind of hook into the to the PCB layout and make sure that like what you're drawing effectively in the PCB layout tool uh, electrically makes sense. You know that that all the things that are connected in the schematic are also connected in the PCB. Um, but that's that whole journey. I don't think I could have easily have made that leap myself, or at least that quickly without having Bill as a mentor to, you know, just say, Hey, you know, here's how you do this thing or here, here's how you do that thing. Um, cause it is, it is a, that is a very steep hill. But once you've gotten over, it's like anything else. Once you've, once you've been down that journey, down that path, like, ah, this is actually not that complicated in the end. <laughs> yeah. Isn't it funny? It's like right everything's that, that way, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I do. I mean, uh, to to state the completely obvious youtube mm-hmm. is amazing right yes, i know you yeah. didn't go that route but i feel like i don't have bill Hurd to be my mentor and that's i've true for most of our listeners as well um but i do have youtube which yes, you know yeah. is unbelievable and i'm sure there's a series out there somewhere just waiting for me to trip over that will bring me up the hill as you say no that's i i consume lots of youtube that that is a, a great way to learn um it's 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 kind of, kind of like this double-edged sword you have to you have to avoid watching the silly stuff on youtube and pick the stuff that will educate you right mm-hmm. <laughs> and th- and that's how i learned about bill Hurd. it was like i was like looking at how do you do this and like ran into some of his videos so i i am there too i learned lots of stuff through youtube and there's lots of great content from people explaining um you know it's it's they're doing this just for fun and you yeah. can you know it's you can see that you can feel the joy when they're explaining how to how to do all these things um but that's that's I have learned. I probably have learned more through YouTube than from reading books. To be it's honest, it's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I I kind of I know I, I'm like mm-hmm. I say these things, and I'm like, yeah, everybody knows this, but I still have this this feeling, you know, that when I when I kind of discovered, I'm using air quotes, you know, discovered YouTube a few years ago, and I, you know, people said, oh, there's YouTube mm-hmm. videos, and then when I really sort of started dipping into it and just realizing the breadth of unbelievable information and depth of information that you can go on there and learn seemingly anything and these amateurs are producing like stuff that you would have needed a television studio and a crew to do yes. 20 30 years ago it's it's just unbelievable yeah there's there's one guy in particular alan wolke who is um i believe he's like a f- a field technician or field salesman at tektronics mm-hmm. um and he he knows his stuff and he takes the time to explain it all on YouTube to the point where he will start off by just kind of like drawing some stuff out on paper and showing you the circuit and showing you some of the equations that go with it without getting too deep in the math, but, you know, just kind of showing you that. And then he'll go over to the bench and I'll say mm-hmm. like, here, let's build this thing on the bench. Let's look at what it does. Um, and he is really good at explaining things to the point where you'll see co- people commenting on his videos. It's like, man, I wish my college professor was as, yeah. as clear as you, you know, he just I has was, a real knack for explaining things. I was just thinking about that, actually, the fact that, um, you know, uh, we, we I, I'm sure you did. Mm-hmm. I certainly had some really great professors and I had some terrible ones because they're not, yes. they're not really yeah. hiring for ability to teach. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But, but mm-hmm. YouTube, it sort of automatically selects in yeah. a way, right? Like for mm-hmm. people that are both knowledgeable and whose didactic technique is is solid or they're entertaining which mm-hmm. i i did a professional uh education for a while i was i taught uh 
uh, programming cor- short courses. For, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, what we discovered was that in terms of getting good ratings from your students, it's actually more important to be entertaining than informational. We strove okay. to be both, but like, if mm-hmm. you got out of a three day class and you were funny a bunch, y- your customers were going to be happy. Uh, it, we also actually like the the place I was working for did have very high standards in terms of you know what you were supposed to deliver in terms of information, but like that. But the point being that like um. You know, there's a certain something, charisma or mm-hmm. whatever it is, stage presence, whatever, something that you, you really need both of to be really good at. And, uh, <laughs> you know, some people yeah, have it and so, some people don't, right? So that's what I've been doing with electronics is I just, I largely will watch YouTube videos because they're entertaining, you know, and the, these yeah. people are teaching stuff about electronics and I just learn as a secondary side effect. Right, right. Yeah, I totally, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. So, so did we, I, I mean, we kind of talked a little bit about how you wound up um, making things that were mm-hmm. useful for work, but um, is that, is that the, I, I, f- I feel like when I was looking at your Twitter feed, there's other stuff you've been working on. Okay. So there, there, the one, one thing that I did make is this closure script board. Um, mm-hmm. So at work, since we're, we're working on like basically putting things into cars and whatnot, you end up dealing with like, okay, I did de- have to deal with microprocessors. Um, but at work, Vouch is basically a closure shop. Now we want to do things that way. But typically with microprocessors, you tend to like basically program in C, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, but I wanted to see if I could get a closure or closure script running on one of these MCUs, <laughs> which is a crazy thought. Yeah, It is completely <laughs> insane. I, I know not all of our listeners are programmers, but trust me, this is very, very weird. So, so why do you think it's insane? What, what, what do you think w- would cause it to fail? Uh, it, it's, it, I mean, yeah. it's, I know it, I know that people have done similar things, right? So yeah, I know it's, yeah. I know that it can yeah. be done and it, oh, it, can even, it is insane by the way. I'm not. Right. <laughs> right. But it is sort of, it's, I'm trying to think of a good analogy. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's, so it's a very high level language as we might say, Yes, but yeah. it's in a very uh, low level environment. I'm trying to think if there's a good, I'm not coming yeah. up with a good analogy. Like I want to have one that's re- like, yeah. go ahead. It's a very resource constrained environment. Um, yeah, but I was trying to think of yeah. there's an analogy like with human languages. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. it's a, so one way I think about it sometimes is, you know, you talk about, when I talk about programming languages, people, I'm like, well, imagine that you're trying to get a two-year-old mm-hmm. to, in, you know, to, to accompany you on a shopping trip. And the way you do that is you say, you have to say things like, okay, come over here. No, come over here to me. Okay, okay. now sit down. No, sit on the stairs. Now pick up your foot. No, the other foot. Okay, hold your foot. I'm going to put the shoe on, right? And yeah. so it's very, very detailed, right? And that's sort of the land that you live in with a microcontroller is that you have to be super explicit about exactly what is happening. Raise this mm-hmm. uh, pin from you know the ground to high logic level type of thing, right? And yes. then if you think about yeah. high level yeah. languages, it's like taking your teenager where you say, go get in the car in 15 minutes, we're going to the store, right? And that's all you have to say. It's mm-hmm. very terse. It's very concise. And and the thing that happens is what you wanted to happen, but it's you're operating at a much higher level. And that type of description is when we use languages like Closure that are higher level than languages like C that we're operating at that level. So to put the two okay, things yeah, together yeah. is kind of an you. odd, you know what I mean? Like you have this yes, language yeah. whose intention uh-huh. is to be, mm-hmm. you know, go get in the car, running in an environment where all of the operators are take one step forward, now take another step forward and then sit down. You know what I mean? Maybe another way of saying what you're saying is like, um, if you had to like write an algorithm that was doing a lot of bit manipulation at the bit level, you know, mm-hmm. 
you might find it a little tedious to do it in a very high level language that doesn't have like first class support for bit operations, I guess, you know? Sure. Or you can do that all in Clojure, but maybe it's, yeah, maybe that's a way. <laughs> you're dragging along a lot of stuff, right? Like you're, you're really, you're bringing a, um, you know, you're almost like swatting a fly with a bazooka kind of thing, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, but you, but you mm-hmm. decided yeah. to do this, which so, is, which so, is super interesting. Yeah. Because, um, you know, if, if you could pull it off, like what we want to do, um, at least at work is we just want to like extend some of our logic into this small corner of the world, the microprocessor, you know, and just have it or microcontroller, just have it running in there because what we're, we're, you know, we, we have like certain things that we want it to do, like check certain things to see cryptographically if things are correct or whatnot. Mm. And, and all that stuff is like, it's almost like, uh, it's just logic like anything else, really. Sure. Um, and when it comes, so I guess that maybe for our particular problem domain, we're not so much like, oh, set this line ho- high and set this other line low. Um, it's, it's more just like, eh, we just, we have some of the logic that we need to run mm-hmm. there in, in, that, in that spot. Sure, in you've already yeah. written it in English. Why should you have to translate it into French? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the so the crazy thing about trying to get the stuff to run there though is is mostly the um the amount of RAM that you have available. <laughs> right. It's it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's not it's not so much the computational speed because I mean that is a problem. It, these things are slow too, but it's really like the RAM is like the thing that will stop you. <laughs> it's like, it'll sure. be the no go, <laughs> the showstopper. Um, but it turns out that these some of these uh, microprocessors. Um, there is, there's one called the ESP32 that, oh God, I can't we remember. Just, we just talked about that on Russ's episode, actually. Oh, you did? Yeah, and, and briefly, okay, he mentioned yeah. that he's been into it mm-hmm. too. He, he mentioned it as a, as a cool little board or set of boards, I suppose. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's got like an insane amount of RAM in it. I think it's like a megabyte or something. <laughs> 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 Whereas instead of, instead of kilobytes, you're up in megabytes. Um, yeah. And that's enough to, uh, you know, it's got enough to actually host a, a closure script REPL. And I know a lot of your audience wouldn't even know what that means, but it's, it's like the runtime for this language can actually fit in this small, tiny thing and it can actually run and you can jack into it and have a live REPL into it. Um, and that's all about how much RAM these things have really. So, um, I, I mean, I'm mm-hmm. curious to yeah. get a little bit technical. Did you, did, <laughs> yeah, you yeah. <laughs> did you wind up writing a, cause I mean, one way you could go about this is you could use something like, um, I think it's chicken scheme is one of okay. the things out there yeah. that compiles from um, scheme, which is a language like closure, uh, mm-hmm. uh, pretty similar actually into, you know, C, which is a lower level language that you can then typically compile into, um, uh, into native. something. Yeah. Native. Yeah. Or there's also what ferret or something like that. Oh, Ferris yes. weasel, some yeah. sort of rodent. I, I forget. I, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. I can't yeah. remember what it is. Yeah. It's another kind of, you know, kind yeah. of, I'm going to write in a very high, high level um mm-hmm. language like closure and it'll turn into code that can run on one of these low level devices a microcontroller or whatnot so did you do that kind of thing where you wrote a compiler that was translating the code that a human wrote into the or is there some other thing where like you have mm. a an yeah. interpreter that's kind of looking at things one step at a time so what you just described i i think in my in my gut i think is the right way to do it in the end is you know just for performance reasons a compiler I think so. I think anything that would generate native code in the end uh, for these really constrained targets um, is, is probably the best way to do it because you really are dealing with like almost no RAM, almost right. no CPU. Um, but what I, what I 
did instead was um, there is a project called Esperino, which is effectively um, a JavaScript interpreter. I want to say it's an interpreter, but it's a it's a JavaScript environment that runs on microcontrollers. Okay. And it actually runs, you know, it's, it's fast enough. You, you, it has like its own JavaScript REPL and you can get into it and you can like, you know, it, it reminds me very much like it, when I was a kid, you could get these like basic computers, you know, Phil heard, you know, back in the day, you know, you'd, mm. you'd, you'd get these computers and you'd flip them on and you could like program them in basic to do things. And, and they would respond on a human time scale quickly enough for you to interact with it. Sure. Uh, 10 and, print hello 20 yes. go to 10. Yeah. The classic, mm-hmm. right? Exactly. Yeah. Well, the, the Esperino stuff is, is, is like that or faster, you know, <laughs> these days, mm-hmm. you know, so it can do stuff, right? Like some of these microcontroller or whatever, some of these problems don't have to, you know, you're not doing heavy lifting on these microcontrollers that it, it just needs to be fast enough to do whatever uh, thing you're asking. It. Yeah. And be able to talk, yeah. to, talk to the hardware you need to talk to is the other big thing, right? Yep. Totally. So, so Esperino um, is is kind of like exactly like you said. It's got the JavaScript environment, but it also has like the hardware half of it. So, like it exposes, like when you're dealing with uh, microcontrollers and hardware, there are these things called GPIOs, mm-hmm. general purpose input output. Basically, when you want to raise a particular line high or low, um, that's all exposed in Esperino as uh, JavaScript things that you can do, basically. <laughs> <laughs> so so all, I re- all I really did was I, I reused that and basically um, got it so that you could basically compile ClojureScript down to that. Gotcha. That yeah, <laughs> it was that. that was about, so that you can see that that's m- mostly uh, an effort about trying to cram it in there, you know, not trying to do anything fundamentally um, new. It's mostly just like taking these existing technologies and gluing them together yeah but that's engineering yeah right it's, it's funny actually we, we yeah. <laughs> uh, sorry i'm gonna i'm gonna wax um okay, on, yeah. i'm gonna go on a tangent for a second yeah, okay. a little bit so like yeah. so yeah. like i know a bunch of our listeners are software people and mm-hmm. um yeah I, I can't remember if i've talked before on the show or not maybe i did mm-hmm. like this notion that we have as software people that we are inventors right mm-hmm. like yes. there's this idea that that oh we're outward like doing new stuff you're not doing new stuff. Hardly anybody is doing new stuff. And in fact, your job is not to do new stuff exactly, for the yeah. most part, right? It should really yeah. be engineering. I, that's, so at work, we call um, mm-hmm. yeah. our software developers, we call them software engineers. And it's quite intentional. I think um, the, the idea that en- in my mind, I'm making these terms up. I don't claim to own them, but my, okay. yeah. my yeah. definitions for these are, um, you know, that engineering is the art of navigating trade-offs to achieve some outcome, right? Understanding your materials properties and, you know, maybe navigating cost or, or time or, you know, material strength or whatever. And mm-hmm. I think that what we do in software should aspire to that, to engineering, rather than to computer science, right? Where science is, you know, uh, more oriented towards discovery or like understanding the nature of the of the problem space, right. Or, or, yeah. or yeah. description of, of the world. And, and we, we, we shouldn't be doing that, right. Like it, I'm, I'm building in uh, the place I work at, we do ad mm-hmm. software. We have an ad server. I'm helping to build an ad server. That's engineering. That's applying existing materials and techniques and algorithms to, to create a system that navigates the trade-offs appropriately. So uh, anyway, mm-hmm. I don't even remember why yeah. I got, got oh, off no. on that tangent, but like, I think um, what you're talking about, right. Like you, it's almost like you were a little bit, defensive around this isn't new it's not discovery oh, okay yeah and yeah. i think that kind of falls a little bit out of this mm-hmm. yeah. proclivity we have in software to be like no you should be 
the inventor, the 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 sole developer, the oh, hacker yes. who's out in front, yeah. like making brand new things. And there's no, there, there's not only nothing wrong with you know recombining existing things. It's actually great yeah. to be good at that. And I think you have done this before to great effect. Right, the way I ran into you way back in the day um, was you. Well, maybe it wasn't this, but it was something you were doing around that time. Was you were working mm-hmm. on. Um, kind of unifying some of the um, Mac technologies. I think it might have been Swift. Remind me if I'm wrong with with some of the closure stuff. And it was great, oh, right? Right. Like you were combining chocolate and peanut butter, and it, the 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 result was awesome. If I remember right, at the time I was trying to get closure to run on mobile devices. Mm-hmm. That's all I was trying to do, really. Right. I was trying to to compose these two separate things together. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Make them work. So it's like your it's yeah. like your superpower. You're doing it again. It's great. I'm I'm good at cramming stuff together. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that, that's engineering, right? Like I think that's Basically. engineering. Yeah, my son is learning how to program now, and mm-hmm. he he's at that at that point where uh, he's he's learning some Java, and he shows me his program. He's like excited and shows me what it does. But then he also he'll show it to me, and he's like, "Look how big my program is! It's like sixteen hundred lines." And my response to him is like, "Can you make it do the same thing, but with?" less code <laughs> right, and, right and he doesn't he has no clue where i'm coming from when i tell him that <laughs> right code golf is a new concept to him yeah yeah it's like he he and i remember being that way when i was a kid it was like oh wow look how large my program is it must yeah. be you know look how fancy it is he's still there too yeah no it's that's a i mean that's a wonderful <laughs> i i, I yeah. so my older daughter was learning um java for a little while in school and uh, it was super interesting for a, a number of reasons, not least of which was me having to like completely bite my tongue and oh, say, yeah, you yeah. know, around things like, well, OK, um, I happen to think there's a way better way to do what you're doing. But that's not the point right now. Like you, yeah, you know, you're making the little dude move around on the screen. That's awesome. You know, enjoy that mm-hmm. and don't have to get caught up in in all of this other technical stuff or philo- philosophical stuff that uh, that I so easily you know fall into spewing yeah cool so how's that all going like are you are you where you want to be with it or is it uh still kind of coming because i saw some pictures yeah so so one thing so one thing i that whole closure script board um that i made was um so it works but we're not gonna like at work we're not gonna be using it we're not gonna be putting things into cars anytime soon that have you know that are driven by closure (laughs) script it's it's not it's not fast enough. And part of what we need to do at work is we need to give libraries to other people to use to build mm. their systems. And they're all going to be doing stuff in C or sure. maybe Rust or whatever in the near term. But for me, it was all about learning. Um, and, and a big part about uh, that board that I learned was, um, so so I once I made that board, I wanted to make it so that other people could could mess with it themselves. So there's this site called Tendy that I threw it up on and people can just get it and buy it or they can make you know they can make their own and what i found was when i started making a lot of them that's where you start to see the interesting failure modes and i was i'm so happy that i got to build like i built like a hundred of these things now so i could see like what it means to get to that scale where you're like and that's not a huge scale but it's enough to start to see like oh here this thing keeps breaking over in this corner of the board Hmm. when you make it you know um or, or, you know, this, this part over here, uh, if you don't, um, so, so part of what you have to do to make PCBs is you have to, um, you have to, there's this, there's a few steps. And one of them is like, you put solder paste down on the board mm-hmm. and then you put the components on the solder paste. And 
that is something that you you almost need a project like that to give you an opportunity to do it over and over and over again until you get it right. Because the way that the way the solder paste thing works is you have this stencil and you kind of squeegee the solder through that stencil onto the board. And what you don't learn right away, uh, or at least it took me a long time, is that you don't want to squeeze it with a lot of force. Because when you do that, the solder just kind of squirts out underneath <laughs> the stencil onto the board and it m- makes a mess of things. And you end up with like solder joints between, you know, where the pins would be. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so for me, going through that, um, basically having an opportunity to make quite a few of them gave me, you know, the chance to like have a reason to do it over and over. Because, you, you know, if I was making something for myself, I wouldn't sit here and make, you know hundreds of them and sure. and actually as a as a fun aside um my, i have been having my daughter do the component placement yeah um, and uh because you know that's she still has she can see clearly i can't see that well yeah no kidding i mean you and i are about the same age and it's like yeah. no way man yeah but it's you know that's just all of that stuff of like uh, the the little subtle things that could fail when you're doing that kind of stuff you have to make quite a few of them to actually see it and learn for me. I'm hard headed. I have to like, like, Oh yeah, don't, don't do this, do that instead. And I have to like make enough of them to, to see that happening. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's so interesting just to think about what that means to be, a, you know, like a solo maker working in a hobby mode. Um, and mm-hmm. what, what does it mean in terms of, you know, should I be looking for opportunities to do more of a thing? And, and, and for me actually, um, maybe not more than other people, but certainly more than I used to. I'm, I'm just interested in everything. I feel like, you know, like I've, I've, mm-hmm. I've added metalworking to my woodworking and now, you know, electronics as well. And, you know, all this other stuff. And, and, uh, I, I, to some degree, I, I think I'm kind of robbing myself of the opportunity to do what you're talking about and to really, if you go broad, you can't go deep, I guess is the thing, right? Oh, okay. Yeah. But I don't know. I mean, maybe mm-hmm. maybe you just have to choose, or you can alternate, or or what. But I I need to th- I need to reflect on that a bit more and think about, you know, is, is there is there something I should be trying to make a hundred of so that I can okay yeah. gain that insight. Yeah, because I I wanted to just learn. Well, I wanted to for some reason I I want to be good at doing this, whatever it is, you know. Mm-hmm. And and one example of that, another concrete example is um when you when you go to make a PCB and you've got the solder and the components on there, then you have to do this, this thing called reflow where you're basically melting the solder um, mm-hmm. and getting, so, so what, what you typically, you can do that with like, um, you can use a hot air gun to like, and I did like <laughs> Bill Hurd, he, he basically made a reflow oven for me, but he didn't deliver it to me until after I had done like 50 of these things with hot air. <laughs> was that on purpose? Like he was like, no, he, he basically, you must walk the path. The thing that he, the term he used was, what was that movie? The Karate Kid movie where the, yes. where the kid was doing Snatch the wax the on wax, wax. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Mr. Miyagi. He was, he was doing that to me. He was like, yep. he, he wanted me to learn like, well, when you're using hot air, you don't quite have even temperature. Like, oh, come on, just give me the, give me the reflow <laughs> oven. But it was good for me to learn that way. And then, and then once I had the reflow oven, I would make other mistakes. Like I, the temptation is to say like, oh. I can fit, I can fit ten boards in that reflow oven. Let me do them all at once, um, and and that fails because the reflow oven can't drive the temperatures properly when it has that much thermal mass in it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's you you 
you that the only way to learn is to do that and fail. You know, you're like, I did, you know, I learned the hard way. And now it's like, okay, I can do at most four boards at a time that way. Um, maybe six. Um, so that's, that's the only, that you only learn those things when you're doing quite a few of them and you, and, and for me, it'll go, I'll go quite a long time, but between like making some of these and I'll have forgotten. <laughs> yes. It's almost like I need to make notes for myself. Like, oh my oh, God. I need to put a little yellow sticky, like don't squeeze the solder paste too hard. Don't put 10 things in the oven. <laughs> yeah, no, I, that's, that's what I feel that one acutely. Like when I walk up and make the same the same mistake, mistake you've again. made before? Absolutely, yeah. <sighs> yeah. Oh, well. It's good. I, you know, I have, I've said this before. I have a sign on my shop um, door that says slow. It's like a traffic sign. And it, it's really my reminder to... Yes. You know what I mean? To just kind of... Um, I know this is an overused phrase, and I've said it before, but like be mm-hmm. in the moment, right? Enjoy the process. Enjoy the journey. And if you make that mistake, go, eh, you know, it was still a day in the shop or an hour in the shop. Yes, I've I've felt that I remember and I still have this in me where when I'm making something, I feel like I need to complete it within that day or something. Yes. Um, and and it's only like maybe with maturity that you allow to projects to to take their course over <laughs> a right. week or weeks. Yeah. And, yeah, you make and, yourself yeah. nuts, right? And, yeah, and I and I will yeah, it's that, that that slow idea is very good because what I'll do, and I think we all do this, is I'll like cut corners and try to get it done quickly and you know yeah you stop having fun too yeah 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 there there is this anxiety that goes along with it there is yeah that's weird isn't (laughs) it it? yes it's like you you almost have to like play a mind trick with yourself and just say slow down Mm -hmm. and like you exactly like you said it's it's the process and and another thing that's kind of related to that is if you get like um test equipment or test gear and and this also was true for me for things like getting into astronomy with telescopes and whatnot, or anything that you can buy, uh, or even if you think about like when you were a kid and you would buy like a stereo system, I would always want the best, you know, the thing that was perfect. And and I've gotten to an age now where I'm like, oh, that cassette tape sounds the way it does because of certain physical properties, and I'm like, I can accept that now, and I just accept it as it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so like a, a lot of things that uh, I, I guess I. In my maturity, in my older age, I'm more willing to accept uh, less than perfect things that are, you know, not done quickly or not the most expensive thing you could have purchased because it, you know, it gets the job done. And it has it, and, and in fact, if it's not perfect, you get to see the physical flaws that make it behave the way it behaves, whatever that thing is that you're dealing with. So, like, if you have, if a concrete example might be a telescope, and it might have like those. Um, what are they called? Achromatic aberration, you know, like where you get like rainbows basically when you're looking mm-hmm. through. Yeah. For me, it's like that, that kind of thing used to bother me. I'm like, ah, I don't want that. I don't want rainbows to be in, in my telescope view, but now I'm like, Oh, that's the way the universe works. You know, mm-hmm. you end up with rainbows when the, when the light interacts in this way. And uh, yeah, that's super it's, interesting. It's, it's all about your, your uh, perspective on things. And, and, it's exactly like you said, when you're building things, you need to slow down and enjoy the process of making it. I think it might be a little bit, I think it might be a little bit behind you on the maturity curve on that, that this last one, that's a, that's one that I know I definitely um, still struggle with a little bit is this, this notion of, you know, accepting the, except not only just, you're not talking just accepting Mm -hmm. compromises. Like I don't have an infinite amount of money, so I can't buy the best thing. It's not even that. It's like, 
it's like being okay with it, right? Like being like fundamentally mm-hmm. okay with with the with the trade off with the the suboptimal. <laughs> you know, that's super interesting. Yeah, yeah. It's it's. I've only well, so I've started getting test equipment when I'm doing some of this electronic stuff, and you have to be careful because this stuff can get to be very expensive. If you, you know, if you want to buy the latest and greatest spectrum analyzer, you're going to, I'm not spending 10 grand on something like that. You know, maybe, mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe if I get the company to pay for it, but this is stuff I'm buying with my own money. So I, I'll buy something from the, from the eighties that has certain characteristics. And I'm like, Oh, for me, it's like, this is the way spectrum analyzers used to work in the eighties. <laughs> they, <laughs> you know, they, they had certain, capabilities or bandwidth to them that you know and and i i kind of i'm enjoying seeing those those aspects of it um, well it helps that maybe from the 80s that. too yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> sorry i jumped on you there go ahead that's no, it's i don't know it's it's hard to describe this thing it's kind of like uh I, we all have retina screens on our computers these days and you you can't even see the pixels anymore but like, yeah, if I ever work with a screen with pixels, I'm like, yeah, that's what, that's the way they work. You know, yeah, they yeah. have pixels. <laughs> Every once in a while, we'll see a, a movie or something where the, you know, they'll show a video game from, you know, 1987 or something like that. And my, one of my daughters especially will turn to me and say, did it actually look like that? Did it really look like that? I'm like, yeah, it really did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> totally. Well, cool. Well, um. I know we have one kind of closing question we want to get to yet, but I don't want to close okay, things yeah. down. If there's more stuff that you think we should talk about here today, we can always have you back on and talk again. I always enjoy talking and we can do it again. But uh, anything else you want to like talk about as we start to wind down or? No, no. The closing question might be good. I actually was, I was starting to think along those lines anyway. Like- mm-hmm. Yeah. We kind of, I find that we often naturally uh, navigate our way towards advice <laughs> over the course of the show. I think it's a, uh, a natural outcome of having interesting people on to talk about things that they care about. But, uh, but I will throw that question to you then okay. since we appear to arrive yeah. at that point, which is, yes. Hey Mike, I, I would love to hear a piece of advice from you. Could be advice you've been given or advice that you like to give, or you think should be given about anything. It doesn't have to be about electronics or whatever. Just always interested to hear a piece of advice. Yeah. And so for me, the advice comes about what we were just talking about with, with the whole electronics things and, and learning which is um, the way I would describe it is for me, the whole electronics thing seemed to be uh, an area that I couldn't go to in my mind. Like it was, it was partitioned off and I just, you know, I'd always knew that I knew a certain set of things and this whole electronics thing to me was like way too different. And I had always, I had this mental block with going there. Um, So my advice is basically, don't do that, you know, mm. basically. And, and, and also like, if you, if you, if you have something like that, like picking up a guitar uh, and trying to learn that, uh, any of these kind of things that, that you find mentally difficult to, to jump to, they're going to take a long time to a long time of failing or not understanding, uh, to the point where you can, you know, start to actually feel like you're able to make progress on those kind of things. Um, so that's, that would be my advice is, is, and especially like if you think you're too old to learn something new kind of thing, you know, like mm-hmm. you, you always can uh, pick up something like for me, this is almost like taking on a whole second career kind of thing. You know, it's like <laughs> yeah. even affecting my identity to, to that level of, of learning. That. So, so 
my advice is like you you can do it um and and i had gone through a couple of decades identifying as a software engineer thinking that that's you know that's what i do and and thinking that things outside of that that it would take like oh maybe one example of that might be like oh Hey Mike, if you're gonna be if you're gonna do electronics, don't you need to go get a degree in that, right? Mm. And what I what it took me a while to realize is like I've been watching YouTube for about four years now on electronics, which is about the amount of time it takes to get a degree. <laughs> <laughs> and I probably That's a good point. you know it's like I've been thinking about this subject for about the same amount of time that when I was a kid learning mechanical engineering, getting that degree. You know, yeah, that's so, a good point. Yeah, especially like, considering how little attention I paid in class at times, right? <laughs> Yeah, no, that's a really, I really like that a lot. I'm to, so I, I would maybe okay. boil yeah. your advice down to, to yeah, uh, yeah. When, I, when I think about it, I mm-hmm. think when I hear myself, I could say I could never, right? Like, oh, I'll, I'll yeah. never be like really good at the base or whatever. That's like a warning flag. And, and you're saying that that's a sign where you may have, you know, mentally framed yourself right out of doing something that you might well enjoy. Because I mean, clearly you are super enjoying electronics. It's, it's a thing that you at one point said to yourself, Oh, that's not accessible to me. And not only was it accessible, but it's become really important to you. Yeah, there is this, um, there's this mental block that you might have, or there's this, um, if I, if we think about it in terms of like a concrete thing, in terms of like, like you're driving down the, down a road in your car and there's a mountain in front of you and you, you know, you, you're like, ah, I can't drive over that mountain, but of course you can, right. You get, and you, for me, electronics was kind of that way. I'd look at a circuit board and I'm like, there's no way I can understand that thing. How mm-hmm. can, you know, it looks so complex. Um, and it's, and that to me was a, a big enough mental block. Like I would never understand that. I don't know how those people can, can grok that kind of stuff. And all it takes is watching YouTube for, for, for a couple of years <laughs> and you're like, right. and, and you start to pick it up. You're like, ah, oh, this stuff that I see people saying over and over again is starting to make sense to me. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. Awesome. I love it. That's great. Yep, always, yep. <laughs> always get such good advice from our guests. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Well, this is this has been super fun. We are going to have yeah. to do it again. I, I really appreciate you taking the time today to come on and talk to me. It's always good to catch up with you. And uh, what you're working on is really, really interesting. So thanks a boatload for, for coming out and hanging out with us. Thanks for having me, Greg. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Anytime. We will do it again. We'll wrap it up there, though. This has been Get Smarter and Make Stuff. You have been listening to Get Smarter and Make Stuff. I'm your host, Craig Andera. Visit the show online at GetSmarterAndMakeStuff.com. That's all spelled out, all one word. Go there to subscribe to and comment on the show, read the blog, view the gallery, and find a link to the Get Smarter and Make Stuff YouTube channel. Come on by. We're also on Twitter at MakeSmartStuff. If you enjoyed the show and feel like sharing with others you think might like it too, I'd certainly appreciate it. Thanks for listening and see you next time. Thank mm-hmm. you.